the world leader in Internet Talk Radio. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome to Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of Valerie, her guests, and callers. Now here's your host, Valerie Kirkgaard. Indeed, I'm here. Um, I've been having a very exciting time talking to our, our guest today. Uh, Peter LeBeau, did, did I say that correctly? You said it perfectly. Hey, um, I have to do my little introductory spiel first, but I have Peter LeBeau here, and I also have Dennis Weaver, the founder of IOE, and Peter is the new president. But um, I'll just introduce the program first, and then we're going to go straight to them. You're listening to Waking Up in America. We're a radio magazine for intelligent, engaging conversations about topics of, of importance in the world today. So we're hoping to create a wonderful new future, and we need your help and wisdom to do that. So tell people to join us and come be a fly on the wall with us and listen to some of the most intriguing conversations in radio. And you can get it only here on Waking Up in America. We have a lot of experts on this premier radio magazine. We have Cherie Ross, who teaches us how to incorporate essential oils into our daily lives. We have Maureen O'Crean, who talks to the divos and divas and gives the do's and don'ts of divadom in a colorful and delightful way. We have Lisa Molson, uh, a Yurok Indian, an amazing woman who spends her time traveling around, and she has six kids and a strapping husband, and she manages to handle it all. We have Debbie Ringshop, who is really willing and able and totally competent at giving you new ways of igniting a financial future for yourself and your family. George Ruszewski talks about leadership, and um, I love to interview the best of the best from science, art, you name it. I'm Dr. Valerie Kirkgaard. I'm a proud mom of two. I've pushed the envelope in many ways by playing polo and firewalking and piloting planes and carrying the Olympic torch, and I've given myself an extraordinary life and a lot of extraordinary memories, but the best things in my life happen right here on Waking Up in America. So call your friends. Invite them to uh, listen right now. We're available on the computer, on, on computers everywhere at heavenincorporatedallspelledout.com. And our guests say that they feel honored and loved by our radio team, and Bob Costa of the Home Shopping Network says we're doing radio that will make a difference. So let's just make that true. If you hear a dog barking, a telephone ringing, or a fire engine, know that we're calling in from our homes and offices all over the United States to visit this program. If you visit our website at wakingupinamerica.com, you can actually sign up to find out who's going to be on the next week and be on our informers informant list. You can also sign up to pick up these MP3s and have them for yourself. And we invite you to keep a paper and pen handy as there will be names and ideas that you will want to jot down. And um, Dennis is on a busy schedule today, so I'm not sure how long we get to keep him. And for most of you, you know that Dennis Weaver started the Institute of Economics, and I'll, I'll let them tell you what that is. And his new president is Peter Laboat, and I'm Really excited because I worked with Dennis for quite a few years now, and um, Dennis, gosh, you certainly changed my future. Well, uh, <laughs> we change each other's futures, Valerie. You know that. <laughs> I'm so very, very glad that I met you, and I went down to Malibu that day and said, uh, Maureen, and I said, "Okay, we want to do this hydrogen thing with you." Um, 
Ashley Dennis and the Institute. Why don't you give our listeners um, an introduction to Peter and maybe tell us a little bit what your institute is about, Dennis? Well, Peter is much more qualified to talk about the exciting projects that we're uh, creating in the Institute of Economics right now than I am because he's actually brought those projects to the Institute. Um, the one that excites me the most is our re-ruralization program, and I won't uh, go into that because I'll let Peter talk about it. As I say, he's much more qualified, but what we're trying to do is to build micro-economies in areas that are really depressed economically, uh, mostly family farm communities, and uh, we, we really want to build, uh, strengthen the economy, but at the same time, we want to be kind to the environment and protect and, uh, to protect it. So uh, that's what we're doing with our re-ruralization program. I want Peter to also uh, mention the fact, uh, if he would, the uh, what we call the farmer's friend, which is uh, we're helping them to be independent from foreign oil by creating and growing their own energy to power their farms and their farming equipment, which is at a much lower cost than what they're dealing with now and which is also cleaner. So we're, we're very excited about what we're, where we're going, and I also uh, want him to mention a very exciting project that we have called Willie's Willie. Is that Willie Nelson's thing you're up to? That's Willie Nelson. Yeah, we're involved with Willie. And, uh, uh, well, I won't go into it. I'll, I'll <laughs> you don't want to take it all away. You want to give No, no, I'll let, I'll let Peter say that. But uh, he is our new chairman of the board and president of the Institute of Economics. But he was living in economics long before he ever heard of the Institute. He created and founded the uh, uh, a for-profit company called EcoSense Solutions. Oh, I've heard of that. Yes, and what he was doing was rooting out different technologies around the country that could uh, create what we call economic businesses. In other words, businesses that uh, stimulate the economy but at the same time protect uh, the environment. And he, he, so we have really connected a for-profit with a non-profit, and it's, uh, to me, a very exciting period. Oh, it sounds that way. I was just curious, Are we have we managed to get economics into any more schools yet? Well, we, yeah, we have, but uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to ring off because I've got to pick up Jerry at the dentist, and uh, I'm going to introduce you to Peter Lavote. He's, he's my friend, and he's... Uh, He's the one that I'm passing the baton to, so take the baton. All right. Thank you so much, Dennis. I really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Uh, okay, give Jerry a hug for me. Well, thank you, Dennis. That was pretty good, huh? Yeah, boy. Right, we have to be good after that introduction. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm a little bit humbled by it, to be honest with you. But um, the Institute, yeah, we, we basically have a coalition between the Institute of Economics and uh, the uh, EcoSense Solutions, my for-profit company, and uh, so it's it's 
been actually a wonderful, wonderful road, but I'd like to, to really focus in on the Institute and the re-ruralization program. Uh, the, how we came about this was trying to figure out uh, how to, it's sort of like changing the course of a big ocean liner, uh, how to change the way our, our economy and our society provides goods and services in a manner that uh, looks out for not only the environment, but it looks out for the workers and it looks out for the uh, consumers. You so mean like, are you the towboat? <laughs> tugboat? The tugboat? I, I guess um, I might be the pilot. I don't know. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. But uh, Reverl is a, in, the, in, the, in the world right now, there is a terrible problem with uh, urbanization. The rural areas, whether it's in the first or the third world, and I hate those designations, but everybody recognizes yeah. Uh There is a terrible problem with the rural areas depopulating because the people, uh, whether it's uh, bare survival in many of the third world countries or economic survival in the first world countries, uh, the way our economic system is set up, uh, and the industrialization of agriculture, uh, which of course has been very uh, seriously addressed recently at the WTO conference, uh, what's happened is is people are are being forced to go to to live around the cities, and in the third world especially, it's it's an egregious situation because um, basically there's there's uh, squatter villages all around the major cities and uh, real problems with sanitation and whatever. But when, whenever you overpopulate cities, uh, you know you're asking for trouble. And so, so it causes problems both in the urban areas and in the rural areas, which are, are in essence, uh, in, a, in a severe state of economic depression. What's your plan, Stan? So the plan is to... Uh, Take a region, and at the moment we're doing this in the northwest uh, area of Oklahoma is one huh? of the first places we're doing this. You take a region and you do an in-depth resource assessment. So you look at the wind resources, you look at the sun resources, you look at the waste stream, you look at uh, what can be grown, uh, you look at the human resources, and you use that resource base, and you uh, and it's a five point program the first uh, and it and this is not necessarily in order one of the what what the, the the goal is is to make them make the area as self-sufficient as possible so the first thing you do is you you look at the resources and and we're focusing on bio-based fuels and um, see what can be uh, Grown. Can you tell our listeners what a bio-based fuel is? Does that mean a grown fuel? Is that yeah, what? in other words, uh, two, two uh, readily recognizable bio-based fuels are biodiesel, which is a uh, fuel that can be used in diesel engines, which uh, is made from uh, vegetable oil. That's the feedstock. And the other one is ethanol or ethyl alcohol, and um, that's made, uh, it's, it's an alcohol that's basically distilled. In, in the United States, it's primarily made from corn, 
in Brazil, uh, they make it with uh, sugar cane uh, residue. So is this Willie Nelson's project, too? Uh, Willie Nelson's project, um, Willie has a company uh, called BioWilly, <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, you know, not only promoting, but uh, setting up distribution of biodiesel. Um, now, the what Dennis was talking about, Willie's Willie's, is something that EcoSense and Willie Nelson uh, are collaborating on. And what we are doing is we are building um, a, we're taking a 19, a replica of a 1941 Willie's pickup truck. Oh, yeah, I know those. And uh, making a little bit of an extended cab so people can put some things behind the seat. In the old one, you couldn't do that. Ah. And uh, we're building this from scratch uh, with a stainless steel frame. We're using uh, soybean lignin-based uh, plexiglass for the body rather than petroleum. Huh. And we're putting a, a high-performance uh, dual-turbo diesel engine in it, but also we're putting a special transmission that... Uh, we're not quite finished with our, our prototype, but but we we're estimating that we're going to get at least forty miles to the gallon out of this. What do you think it's going to cost to put this puppy on the road? Well, uh, we're still we're still it's going to be between ninety six and one hundred and twenty thousand huh? dollars. This is going to be a handcrafted, high performance. Not bad. Are you saying that as a production cost, or are you saying that as a development cost? No, no, that's the, that's what we're going to. This is going to be a signature model, handcrafted vehicle, um, uh, biodiesel fueled vehicle that um, will be a signature Willie Nelson, and there will only be five hundred of them made. Oh wow! And so it's sort of like a collector's item, but also a, a usable collector's item that that shows that people can have their fun, but also it can be ecologically. How would you like to take my old CJ8 Jeep or CJ7 Jeep and turn it into that? Would that be possible? Well, it's just a matter of putting the proper engine and transmission in it. So when I go to the grocery store for my fuel, or where would I go? (laughs) Well, uh, right now the biodiesel industry is is in the process of really taking off. In Mexico, Missouri, they are in the process of building a 30 million gallon a year plant. And this kind of thing is happening all over the country. So uh, right now, there's a limited access to the biodiesel, and it's usually sold um, in conjunction with uh, with petroleum diesel fuel. So uh, there, it might be uh, 95% petroleum and 5% biodiesel, uh, primarily from soybeans, huh. oil from soybeans. But well, you know. Uh, sure. I've got a lot of wonderful editors here on the program with me, and I want to make sure they have a chance to ask a question. Sure. But, no, the the biodiesel industry is is uh, really blossoming, and we are going to be unveiling this Willie's Willie's, this special handcrafted, high-performance, high-mileage, uh, uh, it's basically a hot rod, uh, <laughs> at, the, at the National Biodiesel Conference in the beginning of February. Oh, really? And where is that conference? It's going to be in San Diego. Really? Yeah. If that's the place, are you going to be there? Absolutely. You have to come down there and visit you. Maybe yeah, that'd be great. We can do something from there. 
is there any team member, Cherie, um, or, or um, Maureen, or, you know, George, or Debbie, that would like to ask this gentleman a question? Well, I, I might want to mention that um, as part of my research on biodiesel, uh, I, I recently took a two-and-a-half-week research trip down to Brazil where they have a social program where they're growing castor beans to make biodiesel. And in, in the most uh, severely economically depressed area of Brazil, and they have a national program to, uh, to take that biodiesel. And by, and by 2008, there has to be 2% of all the diesel fuel sold has to be biodiesel. And that's who? The government of Brazil. Oh, that's great. And Lisa, are you here? I was hoping that we'd have a, a great question for you. Um, I had actually heard that uh, Brazil was laughing at us <laughs> during our recent fuel crisis. Well, uh, it, in the the fuel problem in the early 70s, uh, they also had a fuel shortage, and they decided that they were going to develop an, uh, a bio-based or alternative fuel infrastructure so that they would not be dependent on... Uh, foreign oil, and they have done that. When I was in Brazil, I rented a car, and it ran on straight alcohol or gasoline, and it was made by General Motors. It was a Chevrolet. So th these are things that exist. It can, it can be done in any country in the world, and right now um, we're paying farmers not to grow on their crop land. We are. Oh, yeah. There's 18 million acres in what they call conservation reserve program, and those and the, the farmers are being paid not to grow. Now that makes so we can sell more synthetic food. Excuse me. That's so we can sell more synthetic food. Well, I'm not exactly sure what the. I think the farmers. Uh, I'm not exactly. Sh there's all kinds of theories as to why we're doing it. But <laughs> have you heard a good one? Did you believe? Well, I th I think you know part of part of it is uh, there's a lot of corporate. Um, uh, the American agriculture has become corporatized, and uh, as as we know, corporations uh, you know have a lot of influence on the legislative process. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean, exactly, you know, I'm I'm not a good agricultural economics historian, so I can't. <laughs> I can't definitively give you a good So we can't nail you on the facts, huh? Yeah, you know, I hate to, I hate to talk about something that I, I, I don't have a good handle on. Peter, uh, we're going to be wrapping this up in a minute or two. Right. Is there any place that you would like to refer people or any piece of yeah. information you'd like to have them um, have in particular at this moment? Well, yeah, the, the Institute of Economics is really going to a, a new level. We are working with a lot more universities. We're working with... Um, some United Nations programs. Um, we're working on the re-ruralization. And uh, we have a wonderful new uh, executive director, Rob Wood. And I'd like to give the, the um, website so people oh, can go to it. It's Economics, E-C-O-L-O-N-O-M-I-C-S dot org, O-R-G. And um, we could really use... People to become members and subscribe. Uh, our website is, uh, we just recently revamped it, so 
Uh, you might have to go to the contact information. Uh, we have a newsletter that we would be sending out. We want people to get involved, um, and we can really use the $35 membership fee to, to help keep things moving. Or more if you'd like to do it. Oh, yeah, we'd love to have more, but you know, there's you know, for starters, that would be great. Well, that's great. Well, I've been a member ever since I met Dennis and found out what he was up to. And for those of you who don't know, Dennis originally did a program here in the Los Angeles area that Jerry helped him put together called Love is Feeding Everyone. They did that with Val Harper. And then after that, they formed the Institute of Ecolonomics in 1992. And Ecolonomics is Dennis's dream of bringing together the ecology and the economics and showing that taking care of the world can be a profitable place to be. So it's a great thing to get behind. And... Um, He's a major inspiration in my life, and I hope that each of you out there in the listening audience um, gets to know Peter and visits the website and sees what it is that makes Dennis's heart so light, the things that put him on fire. I've had the privilege of being around him during the 2001 hydrogen drive. I was his um, hydrogen drive director here in the Los Angeles area, and there was a particular meeting at Paramount Studios in which BMW brought their their BMW fleet over there and Jay Leno drank the water out of a tailpipe, did all that kind of good stuff. Hydrogen cars actually produce cleaner air than that which went into it. And the cars that BMW brought us were wonderful and beautiful. And as Dennis stood there, person after person after person came up to him offering great ideas. And the thing is that the Institute of Ecolonomics is given many, many great ideas, and what they need is the staff and the money to develop them. This is, this is I consider this institute like a heartbeat of the nation, and I want to see an economics class in every school in the United States, and that's something that each of you could be talking about. So we want to thank you for being here today, Peter. Well, thank I invite you to go to your school and say, my kids need to know about economics. And um, get back to Peter and see if you can create liaisons with him because the ice caps are melting very fast, folks, and it has to do a lot with oil consumption. So we can all become ambassadors <clears throat> for a cleaner, greener world that that doesn't cause any harm at all. So there you go, and you'll have good, com mighty companions you would have. So, Peter, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you for having me. And um, Lisa Molson, are you here? Yes, I'm here. I thought you might have a question to ask this man before you um, hopped into your segment. This is our editor on family. She does Family Matters, Peter. Mm -hmm. Hi, Peter. How are I you? Out with hydrogen, and she was there with me too. I'm doing fine. Well, I was just wondering how how uh, close we are to making it a reality here as a primary source of making fuel. I mean, hydrogen being a fuel source for us, a replacement of gas. Well. Uh, I I think it's far off in the future if it ever happens. <laughs> I know that might not be the, the answer that you are expecting or hoping for, but uh, the problems that I see with with hydrogen, um, uh, I think in, in at least the short run are are very difficult to surmount uh, because it, it necessitates the creation of a whole new infrastructure and. Um, Two different other gaseous fuels have been tried, uh, compressed natural gas and propane, and they really haven't um, uh, 
gotten consumer acceptance, you might say. What about liquid natural gas? We, we don't. If, if you want this to be your segment, you can do that. No. Okay. <laughs> this one liquid uh, natural Peter, gas is one I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to get behind and see if I can do something about it, and then we'll talk about this more later. Okay, great. MW said, if you get 200 hydrogen stations in California, we'll bring our fleet here. Well. And I... I'm I'm still for that, and that's why I talked to um, Amsterdam. Well, and, I, I'm I'm, you know, I, I respect your. <laughs> and I hear it's an uphill battle. Everybody's telling me that. Mm-hmm. I hear hydrogen is 50 years in the future. I think only if we say so. Well, and I like the other things you're up to. Well, we <laughs> we, we believe that we need to work on things that we can do right now. Absolutely. And uh, I'm just going to do a little hydrogen puffing in the background, but I got to get Lisa into her segment, okay. or she's going to be upset with me. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> thank you, Peter. Peter, thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, Ms. Molson, Ms. Hydrogen, what you and I need to do is get these 200 hydrogen stations in California, because everybody's gotten tired trying to make hydrogen work. The oil companies have been working, you know, they're not helping. Right. Well, today I'm going to be talking about um, divorce busting from Michelle Wiener Davis. Well, <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to talk about hydrogen. I'm talking about, good... about saving marriages first, and then we'll work on uh, on hydrogen after that. The figures of, of divorces in celebrities is 90%, and in the general population is 50%. Right. So in church and church, oh. even even with my church, very strong in family, they they uh, also say that it's fifty percent as well. So, what are some of the missing factors? And Michelle Weiner Davis is um, as a strong uh, um, believer that staying in a relationship, regardless of you know, even if you're in an unhappy relationship, <clears throat> the impact on the kids is is um, is important to stay and work things together. Because if you're in an unhappy Relationship, you still have a chance to fix it. It's just a matter of what do you do to fix it because a lot of times people don't know what to do. One of the things that she says is spending time together. Um, she, since she's published her book, Divorce Busting, um, people ask, you know, you know, what should they do? Um, what's the root of all of it? And what she said is that uh, one of the biggest con- con- contributors to the breakdown in relationships today is the fact that couples aren't spending enough time together. They're not making their relationships a number one priority. Their relationship gets put back in the back burner. Everything else seems to be more important, careers, children, hobbies, et cetera, community involvement, whatever. And when relationships aren't attended to as they should be, that's when the trouble starts to set in. So people don't, um, they don't prioritize their relationship. The thing that happens, they start fighting over little things, you know, arguing about day-to-day issues, unpaid bills, all that kind of stuff. And then, so when they do spend time together, they end up arguing about those types of things. So it almost creates the catch-22. You know, if your partner, you're arguing a lot, you don't feel like spending time together. You know, and so the the thing that happens at at that point, you just have to force yourself to work through those things because that's where people start, they start leading parallel lives. They resign themselves to distance and experience. You know, and they experience bouts of resentment with time and time, you know, um, and they start to fall out of love with each other and become strangers and, you know, and start saying things like, well, I don't love him anymore. We just have grown apart. And, and, um, so distance is a silent relationship killer according to her research. And, um, I can vouch for that because I just know that spending, you know, I, I know I fight for time because my husband and I spend so much time apart. Um, 
There's good news in all of this, that time together can be a great healer, even if it's awkward at first when two people commit themselves to interesting energy, you know, and doing um, um, things for their love life. Only good things can come from it. So when people put their relationships first, they feel appreciated and important and they feel loved. So spending time with your partner tells him or her that under no uncircum- uh, terms, you're, you matter to me. So... Um, the other good thing is is that you don't have to spend an enormous amount of time together to breed the the closeness and the connection, she also says as well. So brief get-togethers um, um, work also. Sometimes what is she people... recommending time-wise? Um, well, you know, anything, whatever, you know, rendezvous, um, scheduling dates, you know, date nights are always a recommended. That's pretty much on everybody's list. It's having a one-week date night. You leave the kids home. Find a babysitter. It's time where you just spend and interact with one another. You know, the the thirty-second kiss or whatever. You know, um, but you have to uh, you know schedule time. Um, relationships are serious business. You know, and it, and you have to invest the time. You know, it's not something that you just get married and everything's going to work out. You have to, you know, schedule just not to say that you know you want to run it like a business, but you have to make the time um, to to make the investment of the and then have the experience of the interaction with somebody. You know, even with your kids, you have to just drop everything. And I'm convinced that you know we get so caught up in our day to day business. I don't care what it is. There's so much to do in this world with email and you know, in the internet and telephones and communications, cell phones, things like that, we could get so caught up in our day-to-day lives that we forget to just interact with one another. And that's the one-on-one time to say, you're special, you're important to me. So um, so leave your kids at home. You know, don't, don't waste time trying to figure out whose fault it was that, you, you know, you're not spending enough time together. Just spend time with one another, enjoying each other's company, you know, and appreciating, you know, going back to, um, you know, what are you thankful for, you know, in your relationship. So, well, this is Lisa Molson signing off. And when you strengthen your marriage, your family, you also strengthen the world. And thank you. Yes, I love that. That's a good tagline. It is. It's the truth. It's a doozy. Okay, well, Cherie. Yes, dear. Essential oils. Yes. Pretty hot, all that's going on. So, do you have an oil for creating um, sustainable fuel and an oil for creating more time in relationships? <laughs> I have an oil that increases the wisdom in our bodies, in oh, our well, brains, like- and our consciousness. And that's what I was going to talk about today. So, the oil is frankincense. And frankincense oil has been known for centuries. Um, and historically, it's been uh, revered as uh, more valuable than gold. And the reason is, quite simply, because of how frankincense uplifts the mind, increases creativity and intuitive connection. It actually expands the body's ability to access more brain cells because it speeds up the growing of dendrites in the brain, and then the brain can communicate. So the transmitters and the receptor sites, um, let's just say they catch each other a whole lot better. In addition to that, some other uses for frankincense is, um, the reason why we're talking about frankincense, by the way, is because it is this season. 
and frankincense is known as the gift of the Magi for those of you who celebrate Christmas. And for those of you who celebrate other holidays, Hanukkah and so forth around this time of year, it is about reconnecting with the light inside of us, reconnecting with that creative source from whence all we came. Now, frankincense, the best frankincense comes from Oman, okay? And Oman has the, the most revered frankincense because it is the only frankincense that has the highest level of naturally occurring compounds to affect the DNA. What that means, quite simply, is frankincense has been researched to over 99% get rid of cancer when you take it internally, apply it topically, and breathe it in, even the most severe types of cancer. And this has been done by cancer and genetic researchers um, in the United States and outside of the United States. Uh, one drop of frankincense in the middle of your tongue and rub it on the roof of your mouth every few hours, people have noted that their depression has lifted and left them. Extremely powerful for anybody who has an autoimmune situation like lupus or fibromyalgia or MS or any of those other autoimmunes. Um, frankincense has been known to get the oxygen level higher in the brain so that your vision increases, so that your hearing is more astute and your senses are, are, are more awake and alive. Um, frankincense oil has been known to give tremendous amount of life force. I have a number of nurses that I work with, and they have reported that when family members have used frankincense oil on the family member prior to going into surgery, and one in particular, this happened in the Children's Hospital in Seattle, Washington, uh, about five years ago. The mom used frankincense oil on her son who was going in for a controversial, very difficult surgery on his heart. Well, his heart stopped and he was out for over an hour. Now, anyone medical, um, any medical professional will know that that would easily constitute brain damage. Yeah. Right. But when the son awoke, they were able to get his heart revived, get him back and going again. And, the, and he was, I believe, 16 or 18 years old at this time, a, 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 you know, a teenager. What happened was he had absolutely no brain damage. And what None. did they attribute that to? Using the frankincense oil. Oh. It's that simple. Using the frankincense oil prior to surgery. For seven days prior to surgery, his mom anointed his head, forehead, and top of his head, and his brainstem area with frank, a few drops of frankincense oil. And we've heard this time and time again. This is the most dramatic one that I've heard because he was he was the longest without oxygen because of the uh, the, the heart and the brain problem. So frankincense oil, the average person, you can just inhale it and you feel better. It is also an oil. Sometimes you feel like your life force, if you know what I'm talking about, your vital life force just is drained. Frankincense is the number one oil to use to increase your life force. So if you'd like to learn more about how to get the best frankincense oil, what I'm talking about now is the medical grade, not the kind you go and buy at a health food store or a bath and body shop or at a co-op. That's not what kind I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind that you take internally and that is used for medicine. So give me a call at toll-free 866-RADIO-99 or wakingupinamerica.com, I believe, or me at um, www.young-living.net, and there you go. Thank you very, very, very much. And, hey, listen, there. join us on our website at wakingupinamerica.com. Sign up to be um, on our list because we'll send out a nice little e-card to you each week letting you know who's going to be on the show. 
And uh, we also have a little club if you'd like to pick up MP3 files. It's on the upper right-hand corner of the web page. And uh, you can get access to all of these interviews. And if you ever want to ask a question when we're on the air, you just simply email us at val at wakingupinamerica.com. So there you go. Next online is our retirement rescue. She's the newest member of our team, and she has come on with a huge bang. She's Debbie Ringchop, and I just love what you're up to, Debbie. What you got for us today? Hi, Val. Thanks for that. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about creating our nest egg. So does $3 a day sound like it's something that could add up to a serious nest egg? How many times have this is you coming out of your mouth? I'm going to have to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> How many times have you swung by that Starbucks or McDonald's on your way to work for a cup of coffee and an egg McMuffin? It may seem like small change, but three dollars a day that it costs for something like that can really fund your retirement. Three dollars a day. Don't believe it, do you? Let's take a look at the numbers here. The stock market has historically averaged a return of around twelve percent before tax. If you began investing $3 a day starting at age 25 and got that type of return, by the time you reached age 65, you would have saved over $381,000 before tax. Now, that's a pretty substantial little nest egg for just $3 a day. It would be even greater if you started at age 16. That would grow to over $790,000. So why such a big difference between 16 and 25? The difference is compounding. When you invest or save, your money earns more in the form of interest or dividends. If you reinvest these interests, it's interest on interest. Here's how it works. If you put $100 in a savings account that earns 4% annually, at the end of your first year, you've earned $4 in interest. Let's say you leave that $4 in your savings account, at the end of the second year, you've earned you've earned 4% now on $104 instead of just on $100. As this continues to reinvest year by year, it's compounding and getting larger. For those of you who think, uh, well, I'm 30, I'm 40, I'm 50 or 60, you know, how can I do this? I'm 65. I've heard this from you, Val. What do I do? No matter when you start, if you're diligent and intelligent in your investing, you will end up with more money than you would have otherwise. Even a 50-year-old could put aside um, still the $3 a day and create $36,000 just on that $3 a day plan. Until when? Um, Just between 50 and 65, so in 15 years. Oh, wow. $3 a day. That's that's pretty cool. That sounds corporate. There's better than that around. Just think if you can do something at a higher interest and a higher investment. So $20, 15 whatever it might be, just a little bit every day. Now, the difference is next time you bite into that sausage, egg, and cheese breakfast sandwich <laughs> or drink that special cup of coffee, just think you might be eating some of your retirement. <laughs> oh, not fair. I know. It's so sad. Now, compounding interest, it's very powerful. It's one of our financial success tools that can work for and against us. We need to really look at how it operates. One of the things is a rule called the rule of 72. It's an investing rule of thumb. It 
tells you about how long it takes to double your savings at an approximate savings rate. So this is something that really should be taught in every school. Every young person needs to understand compound interest and the simple simplicity behind it of earning, investing, and spending money. It takes about two minutes to talk about and teach you the rule of 72. First of all, this talks about how it will take, how much, it, how many years it's going to take for your money to uh, double if you invest it or your debt to double if you don't pay it off. Divide the number of number 72 by your percentage rate that you're earning or paying on your debt. For example, if you borrowed $1,000 from a friend who's charging you 6% interest, take 72 divided by 6 equals 12. That means in 12 years, your debt would double to $2,000 if you didn't make any payments. Obviously, in today's society, a credit card doesn't only charge 6%. Just think how fast that could grow. Wow. Um, you have a savings account with $500 deposited. It's earning 4% if you're lucky uh, from the bank. Divide 72 or take 72 divided by 4 means in 18 years your $500 will double to $1,000 if you don't make any other deposits. So just remember, 72 divided by the interest percentage is the number of years it's going to take to double. Now, the second step, this is the one that's going to blow your socks off. How many times will it take to double my money? In this step, what you want to look at is I, I know how much I want to be able to make, how many years it's going to take me. So I need to learn how much interest rate I need to earn. So in this case, what we're going to do is just reverse the formula and say take 72 divided by the number of years equals the desired interest rate. So if you look at $1 doubled, makes $2, then 4 8 16 32 64 128 Well, that starts to grow pretty fast. So if you can make at least doubling one or a few more times just by making slightly different and better investments over time, you're going to end up with many, many more times the money at retirement or whenever you do cash in your investment. Think about how fast your debts can double with these double-digit interest rates, especially those on credit cards. That's the basics of the Rule of 72. You need to just divide 72 by your interest rate and see how many years is it going to take to really double what you're earning or double what you're paying and how much better you need to reallocate your money and be sure you pay off those very high-interest credit cards. Don't let those enslave you because they will definitely take over your life. The Rule of 72 um, doesn't include any adjustments for income tax or inflation, and it also assumes you're compounding annually. So if you compound more frequently, then you're going to get to your goal a lot faster. That's that's my message of the day is hey. look at lear, learn how to compound your interest and how fast you can do it is use this simple formula. Seventy two divided by interest equals years to double and reverse that. Seventy two divided by how many years I want to take to double my income. Look at how that's your interest rate. So if you want to learn a little bit more, just don't forget to call us at eight six six radio ninety nine. And email me at debbie at wakingupinamerica.com. And don't forget, sign up on our website and 
put in a little bit of time, just log on each day and save a little money towards the rainforest and all. Thanks, Val. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Hey, George Rajeski, <clears throat> our true leader. Hi, Val. What message do you have for us today? Well, the message for today, my wife and I recently finished being part of the cast of a theater presentation, It's a Wonderful Life. That was the movie that Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed were in, and it's such a a wonderful message, uh, particularly around uh, Christmas and the holiday times, because it really does cause us to reflect what's the real purpose of why we're here. And it fits our leadership because leadership in its truest sense is about what we do to make things better, to uplift the people around us. And in It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey, who heads up a building and loan, which is a co-op providing monies to build affordable housing for people in town rather than having them uh, rent at exorbitant rates from the miser in town, Mr. Potter. Well, George has a problem. They misplaced some money. In fact, the money was... uh, uh, mistakenly given to Mr. Potter, so he takes that money and then is trying to cause uh, the building and loan to close. And George thinks that the only way out is just to to jump off the bridge and end it all. And the show is about what would happen if George Bailey didn't exist. And we discover that each of us has made an impact on other people's lives in a positive way. And if we weren't there then that positive impact wouldn't have happened. And when you look at what are the people in your life that you've already made a positive impact with, and it might be a student if you're a teacher, it might be uh, a scout if you were involved in a leadership role in scouting, uh, a Bible study class at church where you said something that changed the way in which a young person viewed the world, it's in mentors, it's the folks in Rotary that are are helping to build youth through the Rotary Youth Leadership Program. It's all of those things where we make a difference to other people in our lives, and we never necessarily know the difference that we made. But if we're always out there stressing the positive, emphasizing that we have to take action to uplift, action to improve, action to make it better, and we're making it better for the greater good, not a selfish, I'm doing it for me, but it's a, I'm doing it for our society, for our organization, for our people, for our family. And when we really are focused on serving others, helping others, uplifting others, we make a difference. We may never know the difference that we've made, but in It's a Wonderful Life, there were so many times where George helped somebody else take a positive step forward, and when he got a chance to visit the world without him, he discovered that he really had had a wonderful life. It's not about how much money we make. It truly is about what have we done regularly, consistently, to make a difference with other people to help them make positive progress in their lives. When we do that, we really do make this a better world. This segment has been brought to you by True Leader Coach, Inc. 
And we certainly do welcome your input, your questions, and if you want to help make progress in your life, just send me an email at george at wakingupinamerica.com. Visit our website, Waking Up in America. Sign up for our newsletter so that you can become a Waking Up in America partner. Spread the word. Share the opportunity for folks to gain information that help them take charge in their lives over matters of body, mind, and spirit. And the very best to all of our listeners and their friends and family. Back to you, Val. Just thank you. I'm so struck by the fact that you're playing a man named George, and your name is George. I, I... you are so what that play is all about. It's just uh, not that um, we couldn't all be, but George keeps putting him into himself into powerful characters, and I'm very impressed with what he does. Each one of us can be a leader in our own life. Take advantage of these people that are on the radio show. Lisa has been through it as far as families are concerned, and she's a reader, and she's a doer, and she, she works it all out. Um, Cherie Ross... She's almost died four times from different things that the essential oils have saved her from, and I'm not even counting the horse that fell on her a couple of years ago. Uh, Debbie Ringchop, she's giving you pure gold with those financial considerations. And George, what can I tell you? These are the people that affect my life on a weekly basis, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, Dennis Weaver, so by affiliating with him for the... That hydrogen, the hydrogen drive in 2001, my life has been altered. And personally, I'm still prejudiced towards hydrogen, though I love this other stuff too. I also like the BMWs that we were driving around in when we were doing it. But no matter what your thing is, take it to the next step. And the diva, she has so affected me as well because the diva, I can get kind of deep and serious sometimes, and the diva just brings me to the light all the time. She just waves a chocolate under my nose or something of that nature, and she goes, oh, come on, Val, let's take a vacation or whatever she says. So I consider the members of this radio team like the parts of my soul, and I'm just so grateful to be here with them all today and the guests that have visited us over the years that we've been on the radio. And it's now the diva's turn, and I can't wait to find out what she's up to because she always makes me smile. Well, thank you very much, Val. At this time of year, we all want to be jolly. But what do you do if you're dealing with issues that just make you sad? Not a usual diva topic, but an important one. Because when you can't go out, it is the perfect time to go within and just be with yourself. And we're going to give you a special word to think about as you take that journey inside. And that word is grandeur. What would our lives be like if we had a sense of grandeur to it? We certainly know that the dramas that we live out day to day are certainly blown up and in lights. But that's not grandeur. Grandeur is a knowing that we are greater than the ordinary, that we are living for a calling that's bigger than we are today. Not an empty drum boasting, a gracious knowing that creates that sense of grandeur, 
that gets lost in the daily news report and dinner dishes each night. For us to feed this grandeur, our lives must be bigger than the sense that we only serve ourselves. It is necessary to take care of ourselves first, and unless we do that, we certainly have nothing left to give. But when we are full, and it is not enough for you to have experienced the thrill of life at the end of this life's run, what's going to give your life grandeur? It's not a paycheck, and it's not a creation, and it's not going to be a dress in your closet. What creates grandeur in our life is your gift and sharing it with the world and bringing a feeling of grandeur to your life replaces all the other feelings, whether we're sad or lonely. Your world becomes bigger than you and your problems become smaller. You begin to live with the largesse reserved only once for royalty. Diva, you come from royal blood. You have just forgotten your royal roots. Deep inside where your spark simmers, waiting to burst into flame, the flame of your passion. So today, take one step closer to sharing your gift with your loyal subjects. One tiny step back towards yourself, your real self. Share your gift with one new person today. You will be rewarded with an indescribable sense of grandeur. This segment of Distinctively Diva is brought to you by DistinctivelyDiva.com, the online community of women for women. Please go visit our website and look at our essay for December. Sign up for our surprise club where we gift divas. We've just completed gifting 20 divas from around the world, including one in Bulgaria that I'm pretty excited about. And just tune in. Call us at 866-RADIO-99 and share your thoughts with us. Have a question? We'll be happy to answer it. So thanks, Val. You're welcome, Maureen. Are you being... Are you feeling this thing that I'm feeling about being touched by all these people we've met? Oh, it's an amazing, amazing experience to be able to be in the same space with people that are putting their lives into action. And who? Like, yes, it's humbling. I, Dennis, I was just thinking of Dennis. Dennis is Dennis has been doing. Well, he was. I don't know. I, I don't know when Love Is Feeding Everyone started, but mm-hmm. I do know when Economics started. And it's like they have lived their life and walked their talk. You know, they live in that ecologically that ecological home that was built out of is, is partially submerged and built out of tires and things of that nature. Yeah, it's an amazing called Earthship. Earthship. If you don't have the video, pardon? I said, if people don't have the video, go to their video store and pick it up. Uh, and I'm pick saying, it up is really a trap. You know, and then you talk to Ed Begley Jr. and all the different people that are his friends and. They're living the life. They're they're doing the thing. You know David Horowitz last week when his Prius battery was running down. Lindsey Wagner drives the Prius too. These people have enough money to be driving Rolls Royces, but what are they driving? They're driving Priuses. And these are the people that we here on the Waking Up in America team get to know and, and get to fall in love with and get to fall in love with the projects of their lives. And you listen to Peter Labote. I've not heard him talk before. And it's like 
like Dennis said, he was into this long before he knew about a colonomics. It's just like the nature of the guy. So just thank you, all of you, for what you're putting into your lives. And if you can look around each day and take a look at something else you might be able to do to bring yourself closer, like maybe use the microwave every other day so you don't set yourself up for the things that Cherie was talking about in your intestinal tract. And take a look at the different things. We don't have to change overnight. But if we can incorporate one new step each day, hey, I say that's worth it. This program has been produced by Editors On Air Now, our radio partners, ConingCompany.com, Dr. James Murphy and Memoriam, our executive producer, Nathan Jett, our associate producer, and thanks to our guests today, Peter Labote and Dennis Weaver, and thanks to this incredible radio team and Ruben at Voice America. Merry Christmas, Ruben. And also... Um, Denise Dion, who just makes us look so good all of the time. And thanks to Bent Meigen for our song, Almost Ordinary People. And next week, invite a friend to listen. I, it's worth it. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, all. Thank you for joining us today for Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard. Waking Up in America can be heard live every Wednesday, 12 p.m. Pacific Time on voiceamerica.com and Valerie welcomes all emails at heavenincorporated.com.